I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. And this week we're back in the fandom. Well, not yet. Oh, okay. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, before we step into the nice, fandom, nice way to nice way to yes and Paul. Well, you know, uh, that's how I do. You you are out of the improv group. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> or am I? Or am I the only one in the improv group? No, you're out. Out. Turn on a dime, Aaron. Turn on a dime. <laughs> because before we step into the fandom, I'm not even going to try to replicate what Aaron just did. Um, we have to talk about The Rise of Ultraman. We've been hyped for this book from Kyle Higgins, Matt Groom, um, and a kind of, actually, I, I, I can't even say one artist because there were multiple artists in the book, including Francesco Mana, Ed McGinnis, Michael Cho, and Guri Huri. Guri Hiru, excuse me. Um, so there, uh, the, the five ninety nine book. When I saw the five ninety nine price tag, I was like, "Ouch!" Um, but it is a forty two page first issue with multiple stories, uh, setting up Marvel's Ultraman reboot continuity thing. And Wayne, did you pick this up as well? No, I didn't. That's a shame because you're a kaiju, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers type person. I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick up Ultraman. Yeah, I was going to, but then I didn't follow through and do it. Yeah, well, that's what happens. <laughs> if yeah, if comic books all came out on the same day and I didn't have to go back to Comicsology, I probably would have picked it up. There is that, right? Like, and it's annoying because Comicsology, you know, has it on two separate days, and I'm like, damn it! I like that. I like the two different days. Aaron likes new comics every day. I boy, if if we could own if it could only be New Comics Books Day every day, oh, that would be awesome. An angel would get its wings. <laughs> I think he likes. It, I think he likes the two separate days because then it's like it's not one big purchase. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I'm, I'm only spending a little bit on comics this week. Yeah, actually, I like being able to go. Okay, all I have to do is focus on DC on Tuesday, because you know there's there's so much shit that comes out on Wednesdays. It's easy to miss stuff. Absolutely. So I. I, I like it being broken up across two days. Well, if you hadn't told me that Ultraman came out this week, I probably would have forgotten. So I'm glad you mentioned it to me. Um, so, Aaron, when we spoke earlier this week, you said, I'm having struggles getting into Ultraman. I mean, it was partly because of the scotch. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, when we say earlier this week, it was yesterday. Oh, and, well, I mean, uh, that was earlier. Yeah. <laughs> earlier than now. And I, you know, I and I, I, I was deep in my day drinking at the time, but uh, I, 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 I actually I tried to start reading Rise of Ultraman earlier in the week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and just had a hard time getting into it. Whereas you know, in the the uh, preview issue, I got right into it, um, and I think it's just because you know it, it gear shifted to a whole different character point of view, and I just wasn't prepared for that. Uh, but last night I, I redoubled my efforts and I jumped into it and I got to tell you, I enjoyed this book a great deal. Once I finally, mm -hmm. you know, sort of said, okay, this isn't what we got previously. Uh, I'll, I'll readjust my expectation and I have a hard time with that. You know, I go in with preconceptions all the time and sometimes it's difficult for me to give those up and let the writer take me where he, where he wants me to go. Um, but I did. I enjoyed this book a lot. I didn't think that I would enjoy the there, there. There are multiple stories, as Paul said, in this book. There's the core story at the beginning of the book. 
that really does set the table for, you know, the origin story of this new Ultraman. Um, and then there are these, uh, these transition stories, little one pagers, you know, uh, just kind of giving you some, some, uh, exposure to what this world is all about in hunting kaijus. Uh, and they're, you know, they're little comedy, you know, you got a little, a little, uh, uh, a little friendly avatar kaiju that's helping, you know, train, you know, Pierre, the, uh, the UPS agent. And, uh, and that's you not not United Parcel Service. Um, <laughs> is it U- USP? That's what USP, it is. USP. Yes. UPS. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, and then you've got there's this wonderful story at the back that shows the very 1950s era origins of uh, of the uh, anti kaiju fighting league, uh, which I absolutely loved. I mean, there's a, a really a lot to like in this book, and while I objected to the five dollar price point. There's a ton of story here, and it's well told. Um, I, uh, I I like where it's going. I, I like the characters I've seen. I'm already starting to ask some questions. Uh, I, I I I did. I, I thought the artwork was was terrific throughout the book, Paul. I agree. Um, you know, I, I really genuinely enjoyed Ultraman number one. Now, what's frustrating about it is that it is one of those books where Ultraman doesn't even pop up in the first issue. Well, right. he shows up on the last page. On the last page. And it's I get it. It's a, it's an origin story which And he shows up in the preview pages, Paul. Well, fair, fair, <laughs> fair. <laughs> and you know, I, I I will say um the my favorite part of the book wasn't actually the main story, which was good. The main story was good. My favorite part was the Michael Cho Story. God, that Michael Cho. In fact, I, I I did spend some time in the Michael Cho story, which is that 1950s mm-hmm. story I was talking about. I spent some time there, going, I wish this was the book. Yeah, <laughs> because number number one, I am enamored by Michael Cho's style. I, I just I love his stuff. Um, but this this so beautifully fit the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, well, including the monster, right? The monster yeah. looks like a man in a suit. Right. Yeah. No, it was great. It was yeah. great. And, you know, there's this whimsy in Michael Cho's style, which is particularly played up here. Yeah, he's very dark. <laughs> he has a very Darwin Cook sensibility to his art it style. It does. He, he does. And, uh, you know, they, they both seem to be from the same school, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like, like I said, there's this whimsy. And then last page, something very deep dark and terrible happens and you're like you know when that when it, when that kind of story element hits in a story that's being told by an artist like Michael Cho uh, it really hits you hard I mean it hits you right between the eyes and you're like god damn <laughs> you know I, I, I thought this was this story was beautifully told and again I mean I'd buy if they were releasing two Ultraman books I'd buy both of these well I think it's smart that they did it this way because if they were releasing two Ultraman books it would be like um people would pick and choose yeah people would pick and choose and it'd be like it'd be like Conan right where they launched with two books and it's like oh god too much Conan already and then all of a sudden you're like I can't keep up with all this Conan yeah, yeah. um so no, I, I agree I actually don't mind this and if they if the next issue is another five bucks but it's another 42 pages of this kind of quality because I even enjoyed the little kaiju steps uh, one page. Yeah, I did too, and I didn't think that I would. I mean, I took that first glance of the kaiju steps, you yeah. know, story transitions, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna hate this. But you know, I, 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 
I read it and I'm, I just I, I started to find it rather amusing. I mean, I, th- I think it pokes a lot of fun of the style of storytelling in uh, uh, Japanese pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just got a real kick out of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, th- I thought it was really a lot of fun. Ultraman, Wayne, I highly recommend you pick it up. Kyle Higgins, remind me, he also wrote Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for Boom, didn't he? He did. He wrote, uh, he's not the current writer on it, but he was the writer that brought me into the comic version. Yeah. I, I this book is beautiful. I, yeah. I, I really do dig it. I highly recommend it. And, you know, don't take my scotch sodden reasons for having difficulty to get into it as any, anything other than, uh, you know, I just had a hard time, uh, switching gears that it has nothing yeah. to do with the book. Yeah. It real it, I, I genuinely enjoyed it and I, I, yeah. I will. I recommend it, and I look forward to issue two. Um, you know, and it was a, thankfully a slow comic book week. Um, you know, I picked up. I actually picked up a couple of sale books. Um, As did I. They well, I also picked up Death Metal Trinity Crisis, which whew, <laughs> God damn, God no, I, damn. Well, I looked at that really hard because you know it looks like that's the story that I was wanting to read. Right? Kind of. It happens yeah, because, in the last ten pages. Yeah. Well, you know, I. Uh, <laughs> I, I have been saying all along, I really want the, you know, uh, fun and exciting trip through the multiverse and all these alternate realities and crises events. And I looked at those preview pages and like, no, nah, you're not getting me this time, DC. In your eye! <laughs> well, I know it's not on our list, but this is essentially the book that you've been waiting for where, um, the you know, the, the Trinity storms uh, the, the Darkest Night's Castle. And uh, they get sent back separately. Of course, you split the party um, to the three different crises. So they go to Crisis on Infinite Earths. They go to Infinite Crisis. And they go to the Final Crisis. Um, and in those pages, I liked. But of course, those are only the last seven pages of the book where they actually end up in the crises. Then you see the return of Superboy Prime, which I should have seen coming. But that last page of Superboy Prime was still pretty great. Um, I love Superboy Prime. I, do I know too. you felt like he's overused, but boy, I, I sure do. I sure do like Superboy Prime. And this book was very much Dark Knight's Death Metal issue three point five. Like yeah. I don't know how you can read issue four without having had read this. Um, now issue four hasn't come out, but it, it certainly seems like this is vital reading material. Sure. But I can't recommend it because God damn, this book is a clusterfuck. Um, well, you know, I think my. I, I have been frustrated with death metal and, and I am out on the single issues. Uh, I figure I need to leave something in the tank to buy when DC puts things on sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I bought, cause I buy a lot of DC every week and uh, I'm just like, you know what? This will be on sale before you know it. I am gonna, I'm gonna wait and buy the thing then. Yeah. Well, so I picked that up. Um, that was the only other new book this week, but you know, I picked up some sales stuff because DC has been re-releasing the old, uh, Batman movie adaptations. And so they released the Batman returns adaptation by Denny O'Neill, Steve Irwin and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Um, that's artwork. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I remember that fondly when that movie came out and, um, Marvel is building up to their King and Black crossover that starts in December, which is the sequel to Absolute Carnage. So I picked up some Venom issues um, post-Absolute Carnage just to kind of start getting caught up. Mark Bagley took over the art on the title, still written by Donny Cates, right after Absolute Carnage. But I dropped out after. Um, 
so I, you know, I'm hopping back in because I, you know, I've I've stepped out of the Superman DC world. I've stepped back from you know a lot of the books in DC, and really, I'm only reading like one or two regular books now. Um, so, I, yeah, from I the up, sales stuff for the DC, I picked up. Uh, it's a collected trade of the origin of Huntress, so a reprint of the original Huntress story of Helena Wayne, and how she takes on the role after Catwoman's death. I picked up a couple of things this week as well. I, I picked up the uh, the collected edition of Sacrifice, which is when Max Lord uh, takes over Superman and uh, yeah. Wonder Woman winds With up having to kill Ed Max Bennis. Lord. Well, some of it. There's some. a there's a lot of different artists in that book, yeah. including John Byrne and and some other oh, really that's right. great artists. John Byrne was artist on that. Was one yeah. Of well, on, on on one issue uh, he is. Uh, but then there there is some craptastic artwork in the uh, two most important issues. I mean that the artwork could not have been more terrible, um, and I forget who did it. But uh, I, I, fin- I I I both bought that and read it this week because that is an era of uh, comic storytelling in DC that that I really enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> I also picked up uh, the Red Mother, the uh, current title. Uh, horror title from Boom Studios. I picked up the first volume. It was not on sale, but I've been following the artist on that book on Instagram, and I keep seeing his preview pages. I'm like, God damn, that looks like a great book. So uh, I started it last night, and it is horrific, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> like horrific, is, like in a good way. Yeah, this oh, okay. is this is right in your wheelhouse. Right. Uh, I recommend picking it up. I've, I finished the uh, first chapter in uh, uh, the Red Mother Volume 1, and it is, uh, terrible things happen, and it, it is, there is both, it's both personal emotional horror as well as, you know, straight up, you know, uh, uh, cosmic horror. I have to uh, ask, I, what, what inspired you to pick that book up? Well, like I said, I was following the, the artist on, on yeah. uh, Instagram, okay. and he, he had, uh, he was showing preview pages and, and I really wasn't paying attention to what the preview pages were for, but he, ha- he had one page in particular, uh, and it was like four panels and it was simply, uh, <clears throat> a man and a woman lying in bed and, you know, kind of waking up together. And it, it just visually, it was very striking in the emotions that were communicated panel to panel. And there's no words on, on this page. It's just his artwork. Yeah. And I really en- enjoyed the clean simplicity of the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the artwork, by the way, is by uh, Danny uh, Lukert. And I was just really struck by how much he's communicating in such a, a seemingly simple manner. Uh, and I was like, wow, what is this book that he's that he's drawing? And so when I started looking, I was like, oh, The Red Mother. I've seen that several times. And I've looked at it several times. I'm going, eh, I might try that at some point. But I, I, we've said before, horror is so hard to do in, in comic form. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it is particularly difficult to do long form. I think, you know, horror stories are best when they're miniseries or one shots, you know, because it's just so hard to maintain, to perpetuate that horror, horrific feel, but uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I I'm glad that I that I picked the book up uh, because chapter one, and I know first issues are always you know easy to to land, but I was I was really taken by the first issue. Hmm. Okay, well, so I missed the sale, I, I, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, 
well, it wasn't on sale. I bought it full price. That's how interested I was. Hmm. And you know, it's the full price is ten bucks uh, no, for the for that's the not book. Bad. Um, but I got to tell you, I, I mean, I just I, I super enjoyed it. I super enjoyed it. Yeah. One of the books I picked up this week was the Deceased Hope at World's End, the latest issue of that. And uh, well, most of it isn't really noteworthy. There is a great scene of uh, Superman and Lois in the Fortress of Solitude kissing, and Jimmy walks in and sees them kissing. Oh, and, and in this have... universe, he doesn't know. Right. Well, they don't know that he knows, but he comes in and he's like, "I've always known. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> you don't, you don't think somebody who takes this many pictures of your face close up." hasn't drawn glasses on it <laughs> yeah it was a good scene I, I though i gotta say I, I find myself getting confused on where i am in the story because there it feels like there are far too many deceased books out right now i agree there's i'm like there's, who's talking <laughs> yeah there's multiple aren't series at different time points but yeah aren't you dead yeah. well and there's injustice too scene. right which is another yeah. same, alternate universe same author and it's like okay okay i'm having trouble yeah. Yeah, which yeah, goes back but, to our point earlier, right? About multiple Ultraman, multiple Conan, like uh, so there there's something to be said about simplicity. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, so, you know, now before we step into the fandom, let's talk a little bit about some of the DC news that came out this week from their December solicits. Well, of course, they re revealed that in the fandom, right, Paul? No, none of that was revealed in the fandom, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy to me, uh, because uh -huh. with the extra time, you would have thought they would have actually announced some of this stuff as part of the fandom. But I guess with s scheduling or whatever of the solicitations, um, well, one one piece is, was revealed in the fandom uh, during Jim Lee's Q&A, which is that he shot down, which we all knew that 5G was not happening. Um, but he also says uh, that they're, they're not rebooting. Um, there won't be a project called 5G or a big reboot or whatever. We really want to focus on individual titles and organically build up individual characters over the course of the next year, rather than dumping it all in one month and renumbering the line and going for what that really short-term spike in sales. We just naturally gravitated to the story ideas and concepts we love and building them into the mythology in a very organic way. And so, you know, which is interesting because if you look at DC's December solicitations, there's a lot of titles ending runs ending they announced the endless winter crossover written by um friend of the podcast ron mars and andy lanning um, oh is he writing the whole thing i, I yeah I, I guess i misunderstood that article i thought that he was just writing like a, a, a spin-out chunk of it no him and him and andy lanning are co-writing the entire nine-part thing which all comes out in the month of december and then if you're looking at it so december um you know there's a bunch of stuff ending there's the Endless Winter crossover, which goes through all the main books, Justice League, Flash, Superman, Aquaman, Teen Titans, etc. Um, and then on the only book that's been solicited for January already is the last part of Dark Knight's Death Metal. So it feels <laughs> like we're building to some some type of something big happening in January. Uh, but it, apparently it's not a, necessarily a line-wide reboot, but we will certainly see new creative teams, new artists, uh, Bendis, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, Bendis wrapping up his Superman arc is very interesting um, because if any of you saw that Superman panel at DC Fandom, they talk about you know how, how you know how did writing Superman feel after you were done, blah 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 blah. And Bendis said, "Ask me in a few years," but his run ends in a few months, 
And I feel right. like this is DC saying, this isn't going the way we wanted it to. Um, so you need to wrap it up. I, I feel like Bendis' run is being cut short, is what I'm saying. Well, and, and I mean, it is certainly not the quality of book that we had hoped for. No. You know, there are yeah. things that I feel like he's doing really well. I think he voices the characters really well. I like this week's episode of uh, this week's episode, this week's issue of Superman, which I bought. And I'm the only one on, on the podcast who did mm-hmm. um, has beautiful moments between Clark and Lana. Uh, and I love those. And it addressed things that I've been have, have really not understood about her time as Superwoman. And how that resolved and, you know, because it just kind of felt like super superwoman was here and then she was gone. And, you know, they talk about that in this book. And I, I thought those moments were terrific. And it, you know, it hearkened back, you know, the, there are flashbacks in the, in the, in the story of when they were teenagers and, you know, how strongly Clark felt for her and how she did not feel for him the same way. Um, and it was it was really a, just sort of a, some beautiful storytelling. But then there's the other part of the book, and this is the part of the book they hyped for the special twenty fifth issue, mm-hmm. double sized, doubly expensive twenty fifth issue, uh, <laughs> introducing a new villain who is terrible. The, the, this new villain is awful from beginning to end. First of all, it's a yet another villain in the Benda story who knew about the murder of Krypton. That Krypton didn't just die of, of its own natural causes, that it was murdered. Um, and, you know, and as I shared in our chat earlier this week, you know, the only way uh, three people or more can keep a secret is if two of them are dead. You know, I, and I, we should have known about the murder of Krypton a long time ago. This story doesn't make sense that the galaxy would have kept this secret. Um, but yet this world says, you know, well, hey, you know, this this Kryptonian survivor has been you know, rocketed to this place called Earth. And under the, the yellow sun of Earth, that thing's going to be a god. And so, you know, they're all worried about what this Kryptonian god is going to do. And, you know, somebody recommends, well, maybe we just shoot that thing down. No, no, let it go. We'll make our own god. And so they create an enemy for for uh, Clark in anticipation of the fact that he's going to grow old, you know, and become be, grow strong and become this, you know, Kryptonian avenging god. And I'm just like, this is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> And the design of the character, beyond the backstory of the character, the design of the character just looks stupid. It's, I mean, you know, if you're going to introduce this new villain, and this new villain is going to be your big thing, and you're going to, you know, special anniversary issue, we're, we're debuting a new cool character. Make sure that character is actually cool looking, because this one was not. I, I strongly yeah. dislike this issue, those elements of this issue. The stuff with, with Clark and Lana was great. I think Bendis is terrific at that stuff. I think he voices Lois and Jimmy and Clark and all the supporting cast terrifically. I think where he sucks is this whole, you know, Krypton was murdered story and the conspiracy behind it. Well, and he keeps yeah, going ben- back to that well, you know? Yeah. And it, well, that well is dry. Bendis is a very good writer and he's got the voices down He's got, there's a lot that he's doing well. He's just telling stories I don't want to read. Yeah. And that's, that's sad because I, I like Bendis and I like, you know, I'm a big Superman fan, but I don't like his Superman. And it's entirely because he's telling stories I don't want to read. I don't want to read Krypton was uh, assassinated versus just blown up. You know, and I don't want everything to focus around it. 
And for some reason, he just can't make a villain that I like. Yeah. Well, we did get a, we did hear a rumor this week, though, about who might be replacing Brian Michael Bendis on the pages of Superman, right? Yes. So, you know, Mark Wade has not written for DC in quite some time. Well, um, remember, remember, Dan DiDio said Mark Wade sucked. Yep. And so him and you Dan, know? he has not worked for DC in, in quite some time because he's had this feud with Dan DiDio. Well, Dan DiDio is out. Yeah, out. And all of a sudden, Mark Wade is showing up in the solicits as a co-writer on one of the Dark Knight's death metal um, tie-ins that's happening in December. I think it's one like the end of the multiverse or something like that. I, there's there's three of them um, that are all building to this like end of the multiverse something going on, um, and all of a, and people are like, hmm, Mark Wade back at DC the month before Brian Bendis ends his run on Superman. And Brian and Mark Wade has always said that he wants to write Superman. Yeah, and it's like, is this the you know are we are we building up to perhaps Mark Wade taking over the Superman book in in twenty twenty one? I hope so. I would be so excited about yeah, that. that. Not not only am I a big Mark Wade fan, he shares the views I do about Snyder and Superman. Yeah, he's he's been very outspoken that uh, about Snyder's version of Superman. So that tells me he's probably going to write a version of Superman that I really enjoy. Well, and you're referring to Zack Snyder, not Scott Snyder. Yes, yes, yes. Just clarifying. Release the Scott Snyder cut. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, I, I hope it's true. And if it's not true yet, I think we have to make it true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I, I'm, but I'm, I'm feeling hopeful. And the fact yeah, that Ron too. Mars is doing, a, you know, Ron Mars and Andy Lanning, um, you know, who are both friend fantastic. of the podcast, Ron Mars, friend of the podcast, Andy Lanning. Yeah. Friends of funny books. Yeah. Ron Mars and Andy Lanning are writing this um, convergence style event, right? That, that That's basically like a, uh, it's a, a, a full month event that takes over the entire universe and they do that usually between creative teams to buy a little time and then you yeah. know in january we'll have they something did it on big. flashpoint yep flashpoint was another one yeah. yep well so, and you know of the two think about it flashpoint wound up being a much bigger thing than they ever planned it to be yep you know they they, they did this flashpoint thing you know to buy them was that was that for the move from new york to dc or new york no. to la no was that, that was that was convergence okay well, they, they, they did it to, to buy some time between stories, you know, between uh, you know, big, big creative shifts. And it was Flashpoint was planned in a rather short amount of time mm-hmm. and wound up being huge. I mean, it wound up being the defining Flash story, right, uh, which drove so much story coming out of it and really impacted uh, the DC universe. And while Convergence was not nearly as creatively successful as Flashpoint, we did get Jonathan Kent. You know, we did get Son of Superman out of that storyline. So, you know, there, there were some things that stuck to the wall. Uh, and, you know, that was not, I mean, DiDio actually was not in support of the addition of that character, but fans were clamored for it. You know, Jonathan Kent was a huge, you know, w- was huge. The the return of the, the marriage of Lois and Superman was huge in Convergence, and fans clamored for it and demanded it. 
and uh, made it happen. So uh, I'm excited about Endless Winter, even more excited to hear Ron Mars is on it, a writer that I, that I, that I really trust and respect. Yeah, should be good. And, you know, that, that kind of leads us into the fan. Aaron, I'm just going to let oh, you Oh, sorry. I, you, you mean we're going to, we're finally going to get back to the DC fandom? <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, yesterday, as of the time of this recording, in fact, it is actively still happening as of the time of yeah. this recording. Uh, DC fandom, Explore the Multiverse, um, ha- was released. Uh, you know, featuring the other originally planned, I don't know what you want to call them, convention halls um, uh, for for DC Fandom, and a, a different take on it, um, you know, all on-demand entertainment instead of scheduled panels. They have also released the re-released the Hall of Heroes panels that were um, in August with you know, some expansions, additional Q&As, um, things like that. With So there's a lot more Q&As with cast members, extended panels. Um, so did either of you watch any of the stuff that was in Hall of Heroes this time? Not really. No, I didn't go back and retread anything. So I don't understand why or what was going on, but I did go in and I went to play like one or two, and it's really one giant video that they just have like bookmarks to the different points. But the screens were all a purple hue. Hmm. Like, I went to watch The Rock thing again, and it just... I couldn't watch them because they were, like, some sort of weird purple hue. Huh. I'm sure that's... that the, They gave you the, the unedited version and then just put bookmarks in it. Yeah, that's weird, though. Yeah. You know, without adding any of the, the SFX. But, um... You know, so we had the watch verse, the insider verse, the you verse, the fun verse, the hall of heroes, and the kids verse. And some of them were not actual panels. Some of them were uh, interactive media. Like the fun verse included um, the the Joker's escape room, little game, a selfie station, a comic reader with milestone returns number zero. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, you know, Lego fun zone, superhero trivia, just a lot of fun interactive stuff, including theme park ride videos, which I enjoyed. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I'll start us off here. I First of all, I was a little disappointed. I'm going to start on the negative. I was a little disappointed with this buildup that you would be walking through something. <laughs> you know, like, like this interactive environment where you'd be walking through these different multiverses, you know, that were kind of you know, on different islands but combined. I kind of expected, I don't know. Like the old school game Mist or something like that. Right. Uh, instead, I had a website with six different pictures, and you just clicked right. which one, <laughs> and then a list of videos. Um, which I mean, whatever. It, honestly, it made it easier to navigate, and I wouldn't, you know, I didn't have to play a game to to, to watch some videos. But it, it seemed like it was hyped up more than this, and maybe that was the original plan, and they just scrapped it. Well, I, I do think that it feels like Fandom didn't have a whole lot of prep time. You know, when they initially, you know, planned the the August event, um, I'm not sure. I don't know when this idea came along. And I think that they just threw a bunch of stuff on the wall and said, yeah, that'll be great. And then somebody then they finally started realizing, you know, we, we probably made this more complicated than it needs to be, you know, uh, and, and, you know, with time, you get to refine some of that. Um, and, and so I, I kind of feel like that's what happened, you know, like the separating the two events, Um so that they could really focus the August event on what they what they really wanted to distill as hype worthy. Um, 
I disagree with how they made those decisions, but I understand what they did there. I'm glad they didn't have the walk around as the, you know, uh, template for how you get to different things. Cause you know, it doesn't need to be complex. Just give me a menu of choices and let me click. Uh, but it seems like they should have had a walk around, you know, like Paul, did you try the Snapchat, the, the selfie feature? I did not. Well, I went in to see what it was, and it seems particularly married to Snapchat, uh, which Hmm. I don't use. Yeah, me either. Um, But uh, that was very much augmented reality in in the uh, the template for it. I mean, you had to you had to move like in a three hundred and sixty degree fashion in order to see all of your options. And I am so glad they didn't do that with with the primary interface because I think that would have been a huge pain in my ass. Yeah, and so you know the, the, there were the different concepts where the kids verse was really more games and short videos for kids uh, focused on the cartoons. The Hall of Heroes was the same as last time. The fun verse was interactive uh, entertainment like game like like some more like the selfie station, the Joker's escape room, the comics. Um, they had the U-verse, which I thought was basically just like fan art and um, cosplay, but upon further inspection, included a ton of fan Q&As with the Doom Patrol cast, the cast of Superman and Lois, Flash, Pennyworth, Stargirl, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Young Justice, Aquaman, Jim Lee, and just basically everything. It's But it's it was fan Q&A, which I was like, oh, I wish I had known that going in. I would have spent more time in there. Um, right. The insider verse is kind of like behind the scenes of a bunch of different shows. Uh, and then you had the watch verse, which um, included a lot of stuff about comic books and upcoming animated movies. And um, most interestingly, God damn it, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, <laughs> uh, the full movie <laughs> yeah. for free, <laughs> like two weeks after I paid 20 bucks for it. Yeah, it's it's interesting that they call it the Man of Tomorrow premiere when, you know, it's been out for weeks. Yeah. 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 I think that's because that's what they had it coded as the ori- originally. Agreed. And Agreed. I also think that they chose not to do it originally so they could get people like me and Paul to buy and it. And Aaron. I bought it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all three of us to buy it on release date. So, you know, I'm very curious to hear what you guys thought of this overall. What I, what I, my, my broad thoughts or that I think I started with the wrong panel first, because I'm like, oof, this is kind of rough. But then as I watched more and more, and like the Three Jokers panel, and some of the other panels that I watched, um, you know, the Dwayne McDuffie thing, the Superman uh, panel with Bendis uh, and Dan Jurgens and Gene Yang, um, I, I found myself like, I'm really enjoying this, and, what's frustra- and, the, and, and I left it frustrated that this is all part of a 24-hour event instead of just regularly released material on the DC YouTube channel or DCComics.com or DC Universe or whatever. Because this is all great content that could be used for ongoing promotion that they were saving for one 24-hour event and then it's going to come down. Yeah, I mean, it it seems like it should, you know, go through all those channels as well as HBO Max, right? I mean, yeah, like this, this, this could all be on HBO Max in a DC hub. Right. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't watch a whole lot on the fandom. Uh, I will say, you know, to, to start with uh, the things that didn't work for me, there was such an element of excitement last time around because yeah. things were appointment uh, participation. 
you know, that you that that you had a scheduled time when this thing was going to happen. And while the convenience of on demand is great, um, it doesn't lend itself to let's all do this at the same time. And I think you get a lot of energy uh, in your in your uh, fandom uh, when you do that. You know, when everyone is is huddled around their devices all at the same time, there's a lot of energy. And one of the things, you know, I, I monitor uh uh, a number of hashtags related to this, in particular DC fandom. And let me tell you, the activity yesterday was greatly diminished in comparison to the August event. Um, and I think that go that that is a, directly attributed to the fact that none of this was an appointment connection. Um, that said, there are some things that I very much enjoyed. Um, I, I too watched the three jokers panel with Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok, or as they pronounced it on, uh, in the panel, Fab, Fabok, Fabok or whatever. And Paul, let me ask you, who the hell was the woman hosting the panel? That I don't know. It would have been great okay. if she's like, I'm blah, blah, you know, hi, yeah, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember yeah. me from, you know, something, <laughs> but no, yeah, she I was like, she, I thought she didn't. Because like a lot of the people name, hosting were things like, you know, this person writes for the New York Times or this person writes for this magazine. And yeah. there were well, a lot of people doing hosting and moderating that have nothing to do with the industry. Yeah. I think that'd have been better off, you know, getting like some podcasters, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying some specific podcasters would. would be better. <laughs> but, you know, there, there are, there's a lot of people out there who know the stuff who are in the hobby, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I, I was, I was like, who, who are you random nerd girl? Well, uh, on the bright side of things, they didn't have Kevin Smith hosting anything that I saw. Well, I tell you, I tell you, I was thankful for that. Cause I would have thought, <laughs> you know, but you know, the reason why I bring it up is, is while Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok were talking, she's making all of these, uh, cute gestures, and I'm like, can't you just listen to what the fuck he's saying? I mean, she's doing all these weird things with her hands. And I'm like, is there a reason why we've got your video screen up? I mean, can't we just <laughs> listen to, to, to Jason and Jeff talk? Uh, but I thought I thought the three Jokers panel was great, though a little dated, given the fact that issue one is already out. Yeah, they're like, three Jokers and, comes out. And I'm like, came out. <laughs> yeah, they shot this thing back in August or July. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just that's kind of one of the things that bothered me about what I watched is like, well, clearly you guys shot this a while back, um, you well, know, for this and much I, entertainment. You have to because a lot of it was edited, had, you know, they would show like imagery on the screen while they were talking. It wasn't it, it was all Zoom calls, but it wasn't just, you know, they also had some production on them. So I get that they no, had to film I, some of the stuff earlier. I agree. But I think for something like Three Jokers should have been released back in August. Agreed. You know, it, it, particularly when the you know August twelfth fandom had so little comic book content, this was something that they could have released. You yeah. know, and I think and this goes back to my comment that a lot of this feels like it would be great ongoing material. Like had that had that right. been released two weeks before the three Joker comic, or hell, the week of three Joker comic. Yeah, I feel like you know, like oh yeah, that would have helped hype me up. Um, yeah. Did either of you watch the Superman panel? Not the Superman and Lois, but the Superman and Enduring Symbol of Hope panel? I started it. I just, for a lot of these panels, I wanted to watch them, but they were too long. And the people just, 
I think it was be, may have been because they were all on Zoom calls and not in the same room. Mm-hmm. I just found lack of energy, lack of excitement, and they didn't seem to flow off of each other very well. I watched part of it. I watched the conversation around Superman versus the Klan as that one, and I just I didn't make it all the way through it. I See, didn't. I'm surprised because I really enjoyed the panel, and a couple of things that I enjoyed were it was very obvious that Dan Jurgens gets Superman, and right. Gene Yang gets Superman. But Bendis, not fully. Um, well, and, you know, I think Bendis's problem is that Bendis feels like he can fix Superman. Yeah. Well, and what was most interesting about it is at one point, Bendis asked Dan Jurgens, like, do you feel like there's anything you haven't, you, you didn't get a chance to say during your run on Superman? And it struck me at that point, you're the motherfucker who kicked him uh-huh. off the book. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. I just thought that was funny, like... And Dan Jurgens is like, yeah, man, like, no matter how much I've written Superman, because our times in our world are changing, I always feel like there's new Superman stories. And I thought that was a really good response. Like, yeah, we have a different president now than, than in a different world now than when he was writing Superman. I feel like I have new things to say about Superman. And, and mm-hmm. spoken like a guy who has been writing Superman for 30 years and still has more yeah. to say. And I thought that was yeah. great. And has written some of the most successful Superman stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I love me some Dan Jurgens. Yeah. I, I am all on for Dan Jurgens on Superman. Also, all on for Ron Mars, uh, you know, doing his thing so that we can get some Mark Wade on uh, on Superman. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. Um, the things that I that I particularly enjoyed about uh, the fandom this time around. I enjoyed the release of the uh, Milestone Return Zero issue. Yeah. Uh, I think there were so many comics on there. If I had more time, I would read more because some of the books on there are things that have not been released digitally before. Like the icon trade. They've got the entire first icon trade. And I'm like, God damn it. I wish I had more. (laughs) I wish I had past 1 p.m. tomorrow to read this thing. I know. because Those are ones I really want to read. And I will read them when they release them out to Comixology, but yeah, I was so excited to see stuff (laughs) on there. Yeah, they won't be free then. But, you know, uh, the the, uh, Milestone Returns book was really exciting to see. Um, I think it also demonstrates how rushed they were. Mm -hmm. Um, The... (laughs) Some of the artwork is a little rushed, as well as definitely the... uh, the uh, dialogue was rushed. In fact, I, something just really hit my ear hard was to hear uh, Icon talking to Rocket. And, you know, and the story is is uh, you know Icon and Rocket really sort of giving a briefing on you know what's going on in the Milestone universe, who these people are, what's going on, that kind of thing. And he's like, he says something to her like, "Well, there's more stuff to look at here." And I'm like, "Stuff." <laughs> Sorry, Icon. I, I, that's not a word Icon would use in that context. You okay. know, there, he would say there's more data here. There's more information here. He wouldn't say stuff. And that got by an editor. Um, so, you know, there were some there were some clunky elements. Also, the, I, I just don't think there was a lot of nuance in this. It was just very much boom. Here you go. But it was a, it's a promo book. It's a it zero is. issue. It's, yeah. it's it's designed to hype. And, you know, I'm there. I am super excited about that. Um, well, one yeah, thing I, I will say about the book, Aaron. Really, oh, go ahead, Wayne. I, I say, I count and Rocket were really just there to be the narrator as they give you the new origins and changes that they're doing to some of the characters. 
I uh, I want to touch on the static one because what I found really interesting the new static origin really seems to blend some of the best things from the original comic and the cartoon right but updates it to modern so mm. the big bang that's going to happen is at a black lives matter protest right so they're adding in like modern day things into you know the character and the the designs for the bullies are straight out of the cartoon yeah and and the 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 bullies really seem to be, you know, perhaps racists, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, you know, because they're starting shit at a Black Lives Matter rally, uh, you know, and, you know, of course, the issue, you know, that, that that static, you know, sets the table with, well, now I'm strong enough to fight back. But so, you know, the, the bullies, you know, to use his word, uh, have gained powers as well, but I'm smarter than them. Um so, Paul, you were saying something? Well, what I one of the things I, I thought about this book, and um, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, they, they did announce that Milestone Returns number zero would be coming out in February. So I was very surprised to see it for free here. I think this is only a portion of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, your your comment about it being rushed, I think they shortened up some of the but, the bits. Um, like, the there's a sequence where, and I don't remember the, 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 the bad character's name who... You know, confronts the uh, mixed couple. Um, and, they didn't give the character name because yeah. I don't know who it is, and I kept. Yeah. I went back yeah. to look at it again to see did I miss it, and they never gave the name for him. I feel like that was cut down from what it was originally. I feel you know because once as you, as the book goes further on, you only have two page stories versus the static right. one, which was like four pages. I think this is only half the book. I think they condensed it to release it for free. Because uh, the book isn't fully done yet, and we'll see the full version and that of it would make in February. Sense. Yeah. Now, uh, along with that, I, I chose a companion piece to go along with it, and that was uh, A League of One, the Dwayne McDuffie story, which uh, memorializes mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who is one of the key creators of the Milestone universe. Um, I, I have always been a huge fan of Dwayne McDuffie, and... I, I, I watched this thing with tears in my eyes, to be honest. I, I, it was uh, a heartfelt, uh, terrific documentary. I enjoyed the conversation. I, I really loved hearing guys like Alan Burnett uh, talk about Dwayne McDuffie and, and the work he did, not just in comics, uh, but the work that he did in animation. Because, you know, I, I always forget about Ben 10. I remember the the work that he did on on Justice League, uh, but you know his his work on Ben Ten was huge. Uh, yeah, I used and, to really like that cartoon, and I I had no idea he was part of it. Yeah, uh, you know, and all I can say is, you know, Dwayne McDuffie's passing hit me hard in, in a number of ways. One, I've just always admired his talent. I've always admired his work. Uh, loved his work in Milestone, but you know. Uh, we had a date to talk, <laughs> you know, uh, he, he and I had spoken and this is one of the things that, that I really liked about Dwayne McDuffie. He was very open, uh, to the fans and, you know, he, you know, a lot of times we reach out to creators and we never get a response. Right. But Dwayne McDuffie not only responded, he responded quickly and we had a whole conversation in email and he, he and I and Paul had a date to talk a week after the all-star Superman premiere. He's like, yeah, I've got to go after this premiere. And when we get back, we'll, we'll do that thing. We'll do our, our podcast interview. And, uh, you know, he passed away before we were able to do that. Um, 
and that that's always had an impact on me. You know, I, I we missed that opportunity to talk to somebody with such tremendous talent, uh, and I just I, I really thought that the documentary uh, really captured that uh, of what a tremendous talent he was. Yeah. So I mean, I think overall. Like Aaron said, the the DC fandom wasn't appointment watching this time. Uh, yeah. Other than the fact that the 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 material is only available for a limited time, I think there are some highs and there are some lows, and I think that the format of it, um, you know, it, there's all I can say is DC fandom was an is an excellent idea. I hope a lot of this material ends up being released for free at some point online. Yeah, they're um, crazy if they don't. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a model that we're starting to see used by other people, and I hope to see other people use this model throughout the end of the year, whether it's Star Wars or Marvel or Disney or whomever, uh, to help have that that appointment watching. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be eight hours. It could be, you know, Disney Plus has a two-hour panel on a Friday night or a Saturday night to announce all their upcoming movie slate or something, yeah. right? But I think the the model for it was excellent, and I think it's a big success. And kudos to DC for being kind of this pioneers, these these pioneers. Because yeah. damned if, if I, I didn't expect DC of all people, they always feel like they're chasing to catch up. But this well, time certainly they in did the it right. Space, right? Yeah, they, they've they've really not uh, been the leaders digitally, and I I think it's great that they beat Marvel to this. Yeah. Uh, I, I I do I, I I applaud the the innovation here. I, I want to see it continue post pandemic. Uh, I, I it was nice to be able to be included, uh, at, you know, as an equal participant rather than having to you know hear it from leaks out of San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got a real kick out of that. I I but I I enjoyed. I hate to say this. I enjoyed the appointment piece of it. Uh, more than I, I did the on-demand piece, and I think that, that they need to find a way to marry those two things, okay. so that when you're not in an appointment, when you're not you know at a scheduled event, you can go and choose things uh, from the on-demand selection. What I did appreciate from the on-demand was being able to skip the parts I didn't care about. Well, yeah, and just oh god, I don't like this. Let me go get something else. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there was some of that. There was some of uh, they'll ask a. I'm not a big personal life of actors fan. So when I'm watching a lot of the TV panel ones, because I watched pretty much all the TV panels, when they would ask the questions about their personal lives and things, I could click the button to skip parts of those questions and get back to what I cared about, which was the shows. I did a lot of that. Uh, I want to give a big mention to the the panel about uh, the upcoming interactive death of uh death in the family mm-hmm. uh, i really enjoyed that panel it they got a lot of the original voice actors back they gave details on it uh it was what i had suspected looking at it that this is taking the under the red hood movie that we all liked so much right cut cutting that up and adding the questions in adding new artwork new you know new animations new lines new storylines to it and making it something new I am so excited about that when it comes out. And they talked about, you know, well, what are the branches? Well, you know, how long are some of them? One of the choice branches goes all the way up to 20 minutes of footage. One of them is 30 seconds. So that was kind of interesting to see how, how the branches go and how much they added to it. And they showed exclusive footage that we haven't seen yet on it. 
that's the kind of thing I wanted out of these panels. I wanted announcements. I wanted exclusive footage where they could. The TV shows, they couldn't do any of that because they're not filming yet. But for like the animated movie things and panels, that's what I wanted to see was some of this exclusive content. And that gave me exactly what I was looking for out of these panels. I learned more about not only how it was made, but I learned more about what what was in it. And I got to see some of it. And that left me excited for the product. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week, sadly, we don't have any big multimedia events to talk about. But we do have a slew of new comics, including Batman issue 99, The Joker War, part five of six. We also have Detective Comics issue 1027, the thousandth anniversary issue of Batman. It's another one of those 999 Giganto books um, featuring Brian Michael Bendis, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Matt Fraction, Dan Jurgens, Tom King, uh, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, Scott Snyder, Pete Tomasi, James Tinian, Marv Wolfman, and a slew of artists including Jim Chung, Olivia Copiel, Dan Jurgens, Dan Mora, Ivan Rice. I mean, it, it, the list I can just go on and on and on. Um, it is another, it's 144 pages. So it's more than your average 100 page, but it is your 9.99 price point. Um, and we have these, uh, before I get into the Marvel, big Marvel release, Boom Studios is releasing Seven Secrets Issue 2 from Tom Taylor. Uh, we really enjoyed Issue 1. Kind of, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that story continues in Issue 2. And from Marvel Comics, we have the big new Iron Man number 1. Uh, Dan Slott has ended his run on Iron Man, and now Christopher Cantwell is taking over the title. Christopher Cantwell, the uh, writer on that Doctor Doom book that Aaron and I enjoyed so much uh, that I think we've both fallen off of. Um, uh-huh. Art by Cafu <laughs> uh, and cover by Alex Ross. I wonder if Cantwell picking up Iron Man uh, and his experience on on Doom is telling that we're going to see more Doom in the pages of Iron Man. I'd be okay with that because you know that was he was he was prevalent during you know the infamous Iron Man stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like that because I really enjoyed Infamous Iron Man, and, yeah, I and enjoyed... that Doom book was really good. I just yeah. fell off of it as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking. You know, I'm, I'm, well, it, when it goes on sale. Help. Yeah, fair, exactly. I think uh, you know if that Doom book goes on sale, I will probably hop back into it because I really did enjoy the start of that storyline. I just kind yeah. of really it, it just. Like I read the first two issues and then it left my left my sight. Well, um, yeah, coronavirus happened and you know that break did not help some books. No, right? yeah. So, all right. Well, it sounds like a lot of exciting stuff next week. Uh, we won't have a fandom to talk about, but we'll have fandom to talk about. So, <laughs> uh, come on back next week. Uh, but but before then. Give us a call. Let us know what you thought about uh, the fandom. Let us know what you thought about comics. Let us know what you want to see. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. Next week, guys. Oh, you can also hit us up on IOM Geek on tinder (laughs) no you can't (laughs) also grinder (laughs) grinder (laughs) all right we'll see you guys next week 
podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Thank you.